All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast here on the Fantasy Sports Network. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. Of course, we want to remind all of you to be using our Daily Fantasy Golf tools on DailyRoto.com. And we also have a promo going on right now for Super Bowl 53 with the promo code. Uh, is, it, is it Elite, Drewby? Is that the promo code? Uh, SB53 promo code for 50% off the elite monthly package for new users. Uh, and that'll get you coverage for, for golf. It'll also get you covered for the Super Bowl. A bunch of Super Bowl content coming out this week against the spread and total picks via the model. We've got the player props tool up there using our DFS projections and then showdown, baby. Really excited for showdown. Last big showdown slate of the year. You ready to, you ready to count up them chips? <laughs> it's so so many people i mean it's like half of the showdowns i won i was like chopping with like 10 or 20 people and with so many people in this contest it, it official like- official prediction for how many people chop up first place um like 35 i would take the over i think yeah you know what be- you know what's actually and this is probably for a different podcast but what's interesting is i actually think with so many unique entries there's maybe actually a higher chance of a unique lineup winning uh, I just it depends how the game uh, like works out it's just, the offenses are relatively concentrated um and at least with the guys who are on the field so it's not like um like the it, Chiefs right where they have a concentrated offense but there are at least a bunch of guys who are on the field who could potentially get hit with targets or a big play or whatever like the Rams are running three wide yeah, receivers I mean if, if Tyler if Tyler Higby scores twice though that's gonna that's just gonna throw things into a loop Oh, definitely. So yeah. um, it, it's going to be a fun week, though. Golf as well. Big, big fantasy it's golf a, That's If you've never done this before, the Sunday where you're sweating the waste management and then the Super Bowl starts, and like especially if you had a winning waste management, uh, it's, like, it's like one of the best days in sports for me ever. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to the Bruins-Capitals game uh, at 1230 on Sunday, so I'll get to come home from that, be nice and lubed up, and then watch the – end of the waste management and then transition right into the Super Bowl. So be nice, nice to be working from home on Monday, I guess. <laughs> so uh, quick farmer's insurance open recap. Uh, definitely, as you put here in our notes, a strong week for long-term form. Rose, Matsuyama, Adam Scott, all super strong value plays. They were all positive values in the, uh, in the data golf model and they all raked. Yeah. Uh, they were also elite leverage plays when you just compared the top 20 probabilities to the ownership projections. And I sent out kind of a tweet with an infographic on it. Um, and it just, they, they really popped as being way too low owned even before the tournament happened. And, and then it, it came to fruition. And some of the other top end golfers that were big Vegas favorites, Day, Rory, Rom. Um, all of the them finished strong on the leaderboard as well, and they were all kind of passed up in DFS for Fowler, Leishman, Finau, Cantlay. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like Woodland and Matsuyama delivered as chalk, I would say, and I think you had to have them to contend in tournaments, but it was definitely a really big week for contrarian DFS players, especially people who kind of um, are able to strike the balance between identifying the high upside, low-owned plays and grabbing a couple value chalk plays. I ended up with uh, too much Cantlay, but my mix was pretty good. I thought I, I thought I might have a sweat on uh, on Sunday. If Adam Scott had 
found a way to win this tournament, it would have been like a, like a, I, I think I had 50% Adam Scott. I went, I went all in on that one and you were able to just create good lineups with him because he was kind of cheap. Yeah. I mean, I had a good week. Um, I think I ended yeah, up, you, you mashed like up 5k or so, which, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like it, it was so close to being something bigger and I just had landmines everywhere. So uh, my best team ended up being in three max and it was the same team that was in Pat Mayo's contest. And um, that one had Rose Hideki and Scott, but it was only five of six. So I kind of got the best result I could have considering it was a five of six lineup. If it was six of six, it would have smashed. And then um, I, I was lucky enough to have it in a three max as well. Um, I know Drew had a big, um, well, I guess not a big week from a profit perspective, but he put together yeah, a really a good team. lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was like inside the top 10, even inside the top five, the big $5 um, at, at points throughout the weekend. And just in those contests, you need the perfect lineup and he couldn't quite get there. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was like a, it was a fun tournament to watch. Like Tory Pines is, is just fun to watch. I actually was at top golf on Sunday, sweating out like the back nine, which is a pretty ideal place to watch the back nine of Tory Pines. Yeah, definitely. Top golf is, is good stuff. A little too cold here. I know they got the heaters, but still a little too cold for top golf for me, but it's too cold. Good. It's too cold everywhere, man. It's going to be like five degrees everywhere. In the, I know the, I can't complain about that. It's horrible. You know, I'm in DC. It's not too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say the leaderboard kind of shook out um, the, the cream rose to the top. It was one of the first courses that we felt like was really an all around test. And so I think that had a lot to do it with it as well. Um, now actually led the field teeth green on the three rounds that were measured with shot link but finished outside the top 10 his price is down this week he'll be really popular again and then two other guys that finished inside the top 10 in strokes gain teeth green but were um, outside the top 25 were trey mullinax and danny willett so it'll be interesting to see what their ownership shakes out this week so getting into the TPC Scottsdale, the stadium course, par 71, 7,266 yards. It's actually a little bit more difficult than people think that it is, uh, but there are just going to be a ton of eagle and birdie chances. So like the, the cut is not going to be like minus five or anything. It'll probably end up being even minus one, plus one, kind of right in that range. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's obviously probably the most entertaining golf event, uh, especially to attend the par 5 15th, and then there is the uh, stadium hole, seats 10,000 people for the 16th hole, the par 3, and the, the drivable par 4. No one who had Ricky in 2016 will ever forget the drivable par 4, where Ricky actually drove it over the green, into the water, setting up a Hideki Matsuyama win. Uh, but yeah, you also note in our uh, agenda here, there's actually going to be a good amount of birdie streak opportunities. And I, I think that's something to keep in mind when constructing rosters this week. A lot of what we do, were doing last week was thinking about finishing, but I'll probably place a little bit more emphasis on like DK scores this week. Yeah, especially of the value range. And I think there's a couple of reasons why um, th there are a lot of eagle and birdie opportunities, even though it's only in par 71. And then streaks specifically, I mentioned, you, I mean, you kind of talked about the 15th and the, the 16th and the 17th, but I think the 13th is a par five as well. So you kind of have the two par fives and a three hole stretch where birdie streaks can really come together as well. And I think just the way that it ends, because all those holes are so scorable, it makes the sweat really good because 
um, you know, you can put up some big numbers, like you said, on the, the 17th. So uh, th- there can be like three, four shot swings coming down the home stretch there. And, and that makes it really entertaining from a DFS perspective. Um, just a 130 man field or, or so thereabouts. And because of that, with the cut to top 70 in ties, it's going to be a little bit easier to get six, six lineups through to the weekend. And that just makes it another reason that the DraftKings scoring elements become so important. Yeah, I, I think I agree with all of that. I'm actually just now, as we're doing it, I'm getting flashbacks to that 2016 Sunday where I had uh, a Ricky outright ticket, had him on DraftKings, and then had just like half of my net worth at the time because I was in college on the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about it was about $17. And having to pay it off to, uh, to Kyle Cannon and uh, Dan Gaspar was probably the worst part of it. But uh, you also note here, strokes gained and course fit are weighting off the tee play super heavily this week, which I think makes sense. Um, there are going to be a ton of birdie opportunities on this courses, but there's no rough here, but it's like you, you could hit your ball behind a cactus. Like like missing the fairways here, it, depending on how it bounces, can either be not that big of a deal or like you're posting an eight. Yeah, and I think the penalty strokes generally are a little bit limited, not as much water, but the holes that set up good for scoring are also some of the holes with water. So the 15th, uh, you got to hit the approach shot over water from a decent ways out, depending how long you're off the tee, and then the 17th as well um, with with the water right there to the side and behind the green. Um, It definitely looks like it weighs off the tee play more heavily than a typical week, but I would say that that still means that it accounted for roughly 20% of the variance in strokes compared to a tour average event of around 15%. So um, that's one of the things that's always hard on podcasts for, you know, depending who's talking to understand how they're interpreting it. Approach play is always going to be one of the most important elements, but reg- like relative to a, a traditional event, that the play matters a little bit more this week. Personally, in my player pool, I will be gravitating more towards off the tee guys. Which, I mean, I guess that's not ever different than normal. That's like my strategy 98% of the time is I'm focusing on guys who have really strong like off the tee games. Cause I, also, it's just more fun to sweat guys that you like to watch. Like I'm not trying to sweat Cam Smith at this tournament you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the good players, um, are pretty long at this point anyways. Um, and some of the guys who are, are best definitely kind of aligned with that narrative. If you look at data golf's course history index, obviously Hideki last year, I mean, the, the withdrawal was the withdraw. crippling. Yeah. I mean, that, that was crippling and coming in with the form that he had two straight victories, four straight appearances inside the top five. I forget his ownership, um, but imagine it was 25 to 30%. I'm sure it was so high. Price. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, do you, I mean, he's definitely going to be probably the most owned guy this week. Don't you think? I, yeah. I was trying to, trying to figure that out. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like, st- it's like a pretty good price at 10.7. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's the third most expensive in the field. So, um, it, it just depends if people want to get up to, to JT. I think everybody objectively knows JT is a better golfer than Hideki, but is the course history enough to sway people to to jump on Hideki over JT? Um, I don't know. That'll be an interesting one to figure out. Rom's kind of the easier play because he is also kind of widely regarded as much better golfer, and he has solid course history and comes in in great recent form. 
and it's easier to get six of six this week because the field size is smaller by about 25. They have uh, only, what, 130 people in the field this week. Normally, it's 154. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so that, makes it, that makes it easier to play ROM because the pricing gets a little bit more condensed. There are more viable, cheap guys. Yeah, and you kind of see some of the, the typical T green guys you expect to pop in data golf course history index. Um, you got like guys like Brennan Steele, Webb Simpson, Ricky Fowler, who have good track records here. But then you got some some other guys like Phil and Bubba, um, who yeah, I mean they're like Bubba's strength is is for sure off the T play. Phil a little bit more erratic, but um, I, I think it'll set up for a good event and it'll it'll end up being a really exciting finish and i think the the showdown contest should be pretty big this week as well with um not a lot of dfs stuff going on over the weekend i hope i hope the the sunday showdown is massive yeah i mean i hope so too they'll have the the football stuff firing sunday so um maybe it won't get too crazy but i I think the weekend golf and things like that will be good size is there anyone who's like super chalked that you're trying to take a stance on kind of like how we took a stance on hudson swafford um yeah we can kind of get into that there's i'd say there's like seven or eight guys right now that are projecting as early chalk hideki Dino, fowler phil which was surprising and i'm not sure if that'll come down by wednesday and then martin laird gooch and Damon. um so what, what are your initial takes as far as those guys do you agree they'll be chalk are there any easy fades for you uh yeah, Martin Laird. I just I just if if you're gonna take a stance on some chalk guy, just take it on a guy who like long term form you don't think is that good. That would be Laird for me. Uh, also this uh the Taylor Taylor Gooch. I, I guess I don't have a great read on him, but I I would say I probably won't take a stance on Hideki or Benny Ann. Well, I guess I will take a stance in saying like I'm playing those guys regardless. Like long term, long term form for Benny Ann. I think he's just like a really soft, like I think he's just a really good golfer and happens to fit here. And it's hard for it's hard for me to come up with a a argument against Hideki here, especially after having Rufus Peabody on uh, my podcast and he stated in no uncertain terms that course history matters to him. And Rufus is a lot smarter than I am. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, probably smarter than both of us, um, especially when it comes to golf betting. But I think he also mentioned that it was more course fit and less course right. history specifically. Um, Martin Laird would be a pretty easy fade for me um, based on his projected ownership, his price increase. I know the the form was solid last week, um, had some showdown exposure to him, but if he's going to be upwards of 15, 20% owned, that's a bit crazy. It was just 1% owned last week. And, and just off of the, the course history um, at this event, he's going to come in at much heavier ownership. Does have four top tens. Like I'm, I'm willing to dismiss that. And I'm definitely not willing to pay a price premium and ownership premium for Martin Laird. Plenty of good options kind of in the $7,000 range. Um, ben on, I, I think is price kind of fair and if he is extremely heavily owned then i'll try to get underweight or fade him especially in three max tournaments um if he's just like 15 percent, then it might be a level that i'd be willing to play him at so he kind of depends where it shakes out i I just like him so much more than everyone he's priced around 
yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think he's that much better than Keegan Bradley, for example. And if he's going to be $1,000 more expensive. And- I mean, we, we just know this is a Keegan Bradley podcast. There's just, there's just no <laughs> doubt mean, that he's going to be mentioned I mean, as a positive value. Just like even their, their strengths and weaknesses like align. Just yeah, I agree. I, I will definitely have Keegan at 7,800 this week and probably 30%. Um, and then I think Hideki will be a big decision. I, I definitely prefer JT and Rom. So if Hideki ends up more popular, then I'll try to find reasons to get off Hideki onto those two. Um, Phil, if he ends up popular, I, I don't have any issues fading him. I think the, yeah. the hardest fade for Feels me. like an easy fade always, I think. Yeah, like Finau and, and um, Fowler would be tough for me at their price to fade um but it was tough to fade Fowler and Cantley last week and I, I didn't and I definitely wish I had yeah I I would probably lean more on the side of like Finau over Fowler and Hideki like if I if I was gonna have one chalk guy in like most of my lineups it would probably just be Hideki just because you know he's gonna be so owned and you know that like he's so good that like if if Hideki t2s or whatever and you don't have him it's a that's a long hill to climb yeah yeah there's pros and cons to to fading at different levels obviously if you can grab a contrarian play at the top end and they win the event like Rose did last week. Like I was able to, to almost win three max tournaments with a five of six team. Um, yeah. Just the way the week broke out. Um, and then the, the fade on the value guys is if they miss the cut, then you're going to have like 10 or 20% six to six while the field has 5%. So there's a lot of value there too. Um, I do think trying to strike a balance between the two is important and something I still struggle with on a weekly basis. And I mean, the lineups that won last week, I think were really strong lineups that had only a couple chalky elements, but otherwise went with like really high value contrarian plays and trying to find the balance is something hopefully I'll be able to do a bit better um, this so, year. So 10K guys, isn't Xander just going to be like not owned if all these people are playing Hideki and JT? Yeah, I mean, we just talked for however long. We, five, we've been five, going 15 minutes. Yeah, we've just gone 15 minutes. Haven't mentioned Xander yet. Yeah, I think he'll be low owned. I could see him being sub 10%. Um, I think he, he might, I would almost like lock that in. That he'll be sub 10%. Yeah, because if you have what, we have, if we project 60% of the field to have one of Thomas or Matsuyama, and then, you know, the other 40% are like balanced contrarian lineups or whatever, you know, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, Gary Woodland, incredible short-term form, kind of, and and then you have Finau Fowler in the 9K range and Webb Simpson with really good course history. So there's plenty of reasons um, for people to, to look past Xander. Um, I can't think of any... I don't know if his recent form, I know he, he won, but I don't know if his recent form is good enough that people are going to play him over those other options. So um, I definitely think Xander ends up being an interesting tournament play from a leverage perspective, um, especially if he's sub 10% owned. Yeah. Uh, so well, done with the 10 K guys. Now, I guess our, our thing would just be Hideki is a really strong play, but you're it's just going to be pretty dependent on what you want to do with ownership. Uh, I, I, how much of an ownership discount would JT have to have for you to play more JT than Hideki? Uh, I mean, I would play JT at higher ownership than Hideki. Yeah, then I think you're probably already set up for contrarian teams this week, just yeah. like by the nature of that. I, I just view him as so much 
better of a golfer that decky's course history isn't enough to to get me there yeah that uh that makes sense so going down into the 9k guys now woodland Finau, fowler phil all present pretty solid chalky opportunities i guess webb would be kind of the forgotten man here in terms of ownership yeah he's got a good track record at this event um definitely not his strength is definitely not off the tee. It's definitely more approach, but all of that stuff, like I said, even though off the tee matters, approach is still twice as important. So um, I, I have some interest in Webb in, in general. I think this range seems like it's shaking out pretty efficiently in tournaments. Um, Finau would be someone I'd for sure slot into a cash game lineup and somebody that I would have a harder time fading in three max. Um, than the others, but I think his ownership is definitely going to be reflected of that. So in some of the more top heavy GPPs, uh, I could see the reason for, for looking elsewhere. Um, and then Fowler as well projects as a really solid option with good course history, but I think he's going to be pretty heavily owned. Um, right now Phil's projecting for a little bit of ownership, but at the end of the day, I think that Fino and Fowler are easily going to be the two highest owned options of the nine K range. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna suck up uh, just a, a bunch of that ownership. I think Finau, I think playing Finau and Fowler both in cash actually is probably like a pretty decent way to start a cash lineup. Yeah, definitely. Um, and maybe one of the ways I would think about approaching tournaments would be to not play Finau and Fowler together, or if I was to to go really contrarian with the other spots because like you said, that should be a pretty popular cash build. And then that will spill over into tournaments a lot as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, strong takes on Kucher, Cam Smith, or Hadwin. Um, I will have no Cam Smith. I will have no Hadwin. Not sure about Kucher. Um, actually was wondering about Kucher as a one and done play for some of my like teams where I'm not trying to burn the stud because they're kind of behind. I figure all the other teams who are up top have used Kucher on his victory. So one of the ways you can make up a bunch of ground is, is if Kucher was to happen to win again. But um, I don't know. For DFS, I'll probably have some Kucher. I don't, I don't feel super strong. I'm mostly going to fade Cam Smith Hadwin. I'm not going to take a crazy stance on Kucher, but I'll probably have a little bit. Yeah, I think all of that is reasonable. So now the 8K to 7K range, this is like, uh, or I guess just the $8,000 range. This is probably generally where like most of the really interesting plays, like a, a lot of your decisions here are going to impact your winnings at the end of the week. I've heard some, uh, some Bubba chatter, but uh, does this qualify as a Bubba happy place? He's got good course history here, uh, adjusted for field strength in data golf's course history index. And I think he is sixth or seventh in, in the, um, all time at the event, not just in the field this week. So definitely seems like a Bubba place. Um, our default model is not a fan of Bubba Watson. It is not baking in any course history. I will definitely be making an adjustment to that on Bubba Watson. I just don't know how high of one. Um, I could see trying to slot him kind of close to like the, the Norin or Billy Horschel level of projections and, and just letting things run and seeing kind of how they go from there. Yeah, Norin is receiving a pretty strong projection, kind of more than I thought he would, actually. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting um, contrarian week to play him because he was reasonably popular last week, around 10% owned, 
and definitely let a lot of people down. So I, I think he'll carry sub 10% ownership. Yeah, wish, wish Cantlay was playing this week. That would be a, a very ideal uh, bounce back ownership spot for him. Yeah, I feel like people would still fire on Cantlay just because his floor had been so high previously. Um, I think I read that it was the first cut he had missed in a couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I think people like the ownership would linger on Cantlay, but it's not going to linger on Norin because no one has this like incredibly long track record. So definitely like Norin and Billy Horschel as pivot options in this range for tournaments. You know what? Looking at these ownership projections, and I, I know it's early, but maybe Benny is not that strong. Benny Benny's probably a fade at, at like plus twenty percent ownership. Yeah, I think I think so because of the pivots. Um, I, but if he's fifteen, I think he's kind of he. It brings him back into play. So it's pretty sensitive. Like a lot of those guys are fairly close in, in terms of the projections. Um, one of the guys I was really curious heading into the week to see if he'd end up being popular and heavily touted was Cameron Champ, who was fifteen percent owned. Last week, I know a lot of hype around him in general. Now missed two cuts in a row. I thought that might be enough to bring his price down and to bring people off of him, but it doesn't look like we're getting a discount in price or ownership this week. It, it is a, a course that seems like it would fit him. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. Uh, people, I think, maybe are a little bit off of him now, though, just because he didn't he hasn't really started the season like on hot fire, which I, I think a lot of people kind of expected him to. Yeah, so um, we'll see. I'll I'll have to fade him again at fifteen percent ownership. If it dips sub ten, that's where I would maybe get sucked into the hype a little bit. Um, in general, I would say I'm trying not to load up on this range, um, take a couple pieces here and there for my lineups, really like the 9K range better in terms of upside. I kind of I like Berger a little bit. Yeah, I like, I like Berger too. Um, he, he, like 10 to 15% ownership, I think he's fine. Uh, it seems like the guys who are in the low eights end up getting pretty heavily owned each week just because they fit yeah, they, the top heavy and yeah. a balanced roster construction so that you right. get like double dipped on them. Uh, Luke List, definitely really strong course fit. Yeah. Really oh, popular. Luke List, buddy. Not great. Not great for me. Had a, had a bunch of him each of the last two weeks. Yeah. what He finished, what, like 40th or something last week? Yeah. I mean, he was fine. I had more of him the week before when he missed the cut, though. Yeah. I would say he's going to be one of those guys that, will outscore his finished position. So For if sure. he finishes yeah. 40th this week, I bet he's top 25 in DraftKings scoring. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Brendan Grace, who I, I would say on strength of long-term form, probably is like a little bit better than the guys around him. Uh, do you think that there will be like a really low ownership projection on him because he was a late entrant to the field? Yeah. I, I mean, I think a, a little bit like it, took him a little bit to pop into our data model It'll take him a little bit to rotate into the, the content realm. And then you have list who is always popular in DFS. And uh, I think there's a decent amount of buzz on both um, list and, and had in this week as well as you kind of transition into the, the high $7,000 range. Yeah. Um, Keegan, Keegan actually getting a pretty healthy ownership projection from us this week. Yeah, I mean, the 
like people love to to run strokes gain models right and yes they especially love to run them for off the tee and approach and then this course seems like it is going to fit that as well so all the course fit narratives further support that so um a bunch of these guys who are bad putters at face value look like great course fit this week and yeah keegan certainly <laughs> certainly fits that mold I have, uh, I have been, you know, I, I just listened to golf pods or whatever, and I, I've listened to like three so far this week, and every single one of them has mentioned that like bad putters can do okay here because they get so many birdie chances because of the way the course is laid out, and then I don't know, I guess maybe the 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 grass that they use on the greens here is more conducive or easier to put on. I I don't know what the logic is there, but if that logic. First of all, do you place any credence in that? And second of all, I guess that would, if bad putters are able to do okay here, that would be good for Keegan. I mean, it seemed to show up in the data a little bit as far as data golf's, like what drives the variation in scores at this event. It seemed like it did show up a little bit. I, I do think that people overweight that stuff anyways, regardless. Um, and I'd have no problem mixing in some Zach Johnson at 5% owned in tournaments, even though he's not a bomber, he's not going to have an easy path to the power fives and two. He's like at face value, not a great course fit. If you give me basically three to one on ZJ versus Keegan Bradley, I think you have to take ZJ. You probably will get three to one in terms of ownership too. I would imagine. Yeah. So that's one where like Keegan rates so well for us. I'd probably, I'd, I wouldn't fade him outright, um, but I probably wouldn't get too aggressive on him. And I would definitely try to bump some Zach Johnson um, just to make sure I get a little bit of him in the lineups. And uh, I mean, it's easy to get 2x the field or 3x the field without taking a too big of a stance on him. If this ownership projection that we have for Kyle Stanley after missing the cut last week holds, I will, I will like almost certainly have, I don't know, 20% Kyle Stanley probably. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense for tournaments. Um, I go, I go back to that dude's well, probably more than any other like, like mediocre golfer on tour. Because I mean, his tee to green game. You run the, you run the the strokes gain tee to green models. He's gonna pop in those for sure. Yeah, definitely. I should look. Um, well, I guess he didn't play enough rounds to have enough strokes measured no. last week to figure yeah, he, out how he did tee to green. Played one. But, um. Yeah, I mean, he, he fits the same profile he fit last week, which isn't great, but he fits the same profile Adam Scott fit last week, which is is pretty awesome. So uh, I will have plenty of Stanley no matter what. Um, I would love to see his ownership stay below 5%. And I, I think, you know, 15% last week down to 5 I think that's something that could be reasonable because like we talked about, I do think a lot of people are going to be paying up for Gooch. And then, yeah. Yeah, I will. I I will not have any Taylor Gooch. I'm looking at things a little bit more and I'll just be, I'll just be playing like other guys. Like I'll be playing probably Stanley over him, probably like uh, probably maybe even like a couple Siwoo teams instead of playing Gooch. Yeah. I, I would prefer Stanley in a three match. You hate, you hate Siwoo Kim. You just never want to play this guy. No, I mean, I played the other week. I think he's fine. Like sub 5%. I think he's a little bit overpriced, but I don't think it's, it's too bad. So uh, I, I think he's, uh, he wouldn't make a three max build for me, but I think in MME, I'd be fine with them. Um, I would probably stick with like Grillo and Bradley as the guys that are chalk that I kind of like. And then, um, I'd look at like a, a ZJ or Stanley as the lower owned pieces. If I was going with like ch- chalkier guys 
at the expense of range. Yeah, I think Grillo is like he's probably like just like an obvious play down in this range. He's going to be, I don't know. Well, maybe he won't even fit that many lineup construction, so maybe he won't be more than like fifteen percent. I yeah, I think he'll be fifteen to maybe even twenty. It depends on the format, but fifteen seems like a, a fair mark. Um, hasn't done well here in the past, but hasn't done horrible, and then kind of comes in with average form. But people have a decent long-term track record playing them that I think helps support it. Um, yeah. So super like, uh, you know, just value guys, Coke rack, Lucas Glover. Glover does always like carry ownership though. I guess Joaquin Neiman probably will carry some ownership. Uh, he shot an 80 on Sunday at Torrey Pines. Not great. <laughs> Coke rack was a, a hero in the showdown streets. Yes. Yes, he was. He's I, like, I feel like every time he makes the cut, he always ends up being in like the showdown models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, Glover is going to be popular this week, which I mean, it like you yeah, popular, it. popular Lucas Glover. Never great. Not, not great. Um, I think he's a good value, but I'd rather pivot. Like, so I'm very curious to see if, Kevin Na stays in the field if Kevin Na gets owned at all. And then you have like Ryan Moore, Sungja M, Harold Varner. All those guys, uh, I think on paper, are a little bit worse plays. But if if Glover's like 10 to 15% owned and those guys are 0 to 5%, I would definitely rather allocate 25% ownership across five players than I would to load it all onto a Chucky Lucas Glover. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that makes total sense. Killa Keith, seven K. You interested for this week? Yeah, DK scoring seems like it'll it'll fit. Um, he'll be an ownership decision for me as well. Just kind of depends where it shakes out. Um, and then Kevin Tway, I think another guy was popular last week, and I think he'll be much lower owned um, this week just because his finish was pretty mediocre. Yeah. Do you have any other like uh, punts that you act like guys who are like sub seven K that you think will make your player pool? Yeah, probably will because the higher percentage of people in the field are going to make the cut this week. Um, and I'll probably cut it off at like guys with 15% odds to T20. And then specifically within there, I'll probably be looking to try to find guys that I think have interesting course fit elements. So I mean, the, the old man value, I'm sure I'll have some Stuart Sink, and I'm sure I'll have st- some Steve Stricker. So, um, but I'm not super excited about the, the upside of, of like them. Um, yeah, no, I don't, no one, no one, uh, no one down here makes it move per se. And then like super low owned darts, I would consider throwing on like maybe like a share or two of Grayson Murray or Brandon Hagee if I was playing 150 max just because uh, they can get it out there off the tee. And if they make what about cut, What about this kid, Matthew Wolf, the Oklahoma State kid who hits it like 350? Man, I'm never going to come on a golf podcast and, and tout somebody just because everybody else is tapping them. So, I mean, it's like the Norman Zong stuff. Like, I was just – let other people make those plays. I'm not going to tout them. I don't know anything about Matthew Wolf. Um and I don't have any interest in playing him in DFS, especially if he's going to be popular and heavily touted. Like, I don't need the Twitter victory lap that bad. 
I do. I want the Twitter victory lap just for a minute. I probably like, I don't think there's any way you can really play him. Especially like if he's garnering any ownership at all, like if that dude is 5%, he is like a horrible play. Yeah. I, I could see him being like three to 5%. Um, Anders Albertson, like him as well as a, one of the web.com graduates who uh, I think is a pretty solid player. So I think there's a couple. I did notice that this week was interesting because it's a smaller field and they dropped the prices a little bit. And I feel like, you know, going all the way down to 6K brings some more strategy into play. And then especially with a a field where more guys are going to make the cut, uh, it does allow you to build a little bit more top heavy. So that's just another kind of feather in the cap of trying to pay up a little bit for Rom and JT. Right. Um, all right. You want to talk about betting now? Yeah, we can talk betting. We can talk one and done as well. Um, how are how are you doing so far in one and done? Well, it's it's pending. Uh, so I I had John Rom last week, but apparently it didn't show up in my picks. So I'm trying to figure out if I made a mistake or didn't do it or whatever. But assuming my Rom pick did go through and that gets added to the leaderboard, I'll have a T three, a T nine, and a solo fifth. Uh, through the three events. So feeling good about that, not feeling great about the fact that, uh, that Rom cost himself a bunch of money on Sunday by just playing. Like that might be one of his worst Sunday rounds of the whole year. It might end up being. Yeah. That last putt on 18 too, I guess mattered a lot for, for DFS and for one and done for you. Right. Yeah. I had, I had him on my, Rom was on my three max team. Like I, I did excluded him from my, uh, like I, I did 20 entries in the five and I excluded him from that, but I put him on a three max team. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing so far? You guys have you, the DR boys have three entries. Yeah. Pretty slow start. Um, 140 K with one of them, about 450 K with another, and then about 60 K with the third. So the ones that are super far behind, um, just going to play conservative and save it up for a segment down the road or, or something like that. Um, I think the benefits of playing conservative, there's a couple, I guess one is that I'm not wasting like great golfers cause I'm not going to win this segment at all. And it's, I'm not giving up on the, the year yet, but it's, um, one where I think starting to save up for other segments would be better. And then I think the other benefit is if, if you go conservative, you could potentially stumble onto a low-owned winner and make up a ton of ground. So um, I don't know. Someone like Kucher I think is interesting for the one-and-done teams that are far behind because I, I don't need to save Kucher for a big prize pool event. A lot of the teams that um, are ahead already use Kucher. And so if, if you were to get a big performance out of him, you could potentially – kill two birds one stone by making up a bunch of ground and not and saving one of the studs yeah i think that i am probably looking at woodland if i decide that uh, i'm okay taking like a more chalky guy well you know what there are a lot of good names here like there's rom there's jt actually people are just going to be mashing in hideki right i think so yeah, so maybe woodland maybe woodland will only be selected by like 200 people instead of by like 500 people which is like, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I think people would, I mean, Hideki, some people will play JT and Rom, just, I mean, their favorites in the tournament, and then Fowler as well. So I, I think, I would think those four guys, and, and then maybe Finau would be like the, the five highest owned guys. So playing, I, I mean, you can play whoever you want, depending how your team's shaking out, but playing somebody outside of those five guys would be something to think about. 
Yeah, I think I think that that uh, makes some sense. If I was gonna take like a if I was gonna take a punt on someone this week to try and get like if I was just feeling like I, I'm not gonna win this segment and I don't want to burn anyone else good this segment, I think someone like uh, Benny Ann makes sense. Who's like definitely not gonna be a selection in a segment you're trying to win. You uh, making any bets this week? Yes, definitely. Uh, I got I got it. So. Sometime Sunday morning, after after Rose had taken a bogey, Rom was three and a half to one to win, and Data Golf actually had that as plus EV. So I I bet I bet on that. So I'm chasing I'm chasing Rom, uh, not closing that round out. Do you see any outrights that are plus EV? I don't see a ton that really interests me outside of maybe Finau. I sent a tweet out about betting Steve Stricker yeah, at great. 201 and nobody knows if I'm serious or not. So that's like the, it's a win-win. I, I'm positive you, you did that. I'm positive you bet him. <laughs> you get the, you get the likes. Nobody knows if you're serious. If it happens, you can victory lap. And if not, you just got good engagement early in the week. I think guys that I will have outrights on are like right now, probably Finau, probably Finau, probably Keegan. Those are two that jump out to me right away. Luke List, seventy to one, five percent EV. I mean, just just in, just include like just every week <laughs> when I do this podcast, just assume I'm losing money on Luke List. Did it make you feel better when Rufus said that he also loses money on Luke List? It made me feel a lot better. It made me feel like there's definitely something in Luke List's game that uh, that makes it seem like smart people should bet him to win and not just us like DFS losers. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say some of the guys that are going to be popular in DFS, I might not play a ton of DFS, but I think Lucas Glover actually rates out as an okay outright value in the data golf model if you can get him at kind of 100 to 1 or better, which it looks like you should be able to at my bookie, um, as well as a couple other spots. So, like, that might be an outright that I take that I don't end up playing as much of him in DFS, but I bet him outright. I think Finau looks like a solid bet there. And I think Keegan and Terrell Haddon also rate out as, as decent outright bets. Um, still waiting for the head-to-head stuff to pop up. There is, a, there is a top five that interests me at these odds a lot. On some books, you can get Stuart Sink at 40-1 to 1 for a top five. Yeah, I think that's a, that seems like it's a good price. Um, I think he's 220-1 to 1 to win, too. So if you want to bet that each way you could get a little bit upside. It feels like it's hard to see a winner coming outside the the kind of top 10 guys in the field, but obviously it feels like that a lot of weeks. It feels stronger. Yeah. Um, any, any top twenties you want to tout you betting, you betting Joel Damon top 20. Yeah, probably. See, he, he's uh, Albertson, Damon, both kind of in the mix there. Sam Ryder, Stuart sink, I think eight to one pretty nice price there. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll dabble in, in a couple of those guys. I actually think Stricker would be okay for, for top 20 as well. I know it's not the, the course fit necessarily, but it feels decently weak and the price is pretty high. This guy, Adam Shank, Sh- Shank, Data Golf just keeps touting him to me every week. Never, <laughs> never seen him on a broadcast because he's horrible. <laughs> how's how's that been working out i just exclude him because i'm just like i can't play this guy but he showed like i'm looking at i'm looking at the uh the plus ev top fives right now and he's on that list yeah yeah i, I don't think i've pulled the trigger on him yet i i like to reference the tool and then 
there's definitely a threshold where if I'll, I'll give some credit for model error and not bet some of these guys. So, all right. Have we, is that, is that everything? Do you have an, do you have an official one and done selection you want to endorse for the people? No, nothing official. I got to figure it out. Like the, I mean, the one that's 450k. I feel like that one's still live, like long term. That, that one's just as live as my entry is. I think. Yeah. So I'll probably just stick with something <laughs> normal for that one. Um, maybe not take one of the top five guys, but um, go with something relatively normal. I've I haven't burned too many top players in the world in that one yet. So um, the the other one. So I think it is one of the things where to start to think about the segments and, and things like that. Um, and in worst case you pick up a low owned winner and you're back in it and in best case you kind of, yeah, you can save it up for the later segments as well. All right. That should uh, do it for us here at the daily Roto going for the green daily fantasy golf podcast. Uh, remember to use promo code SB 53 for access to uh, a discount for the elite monthly subscription on dailyroto.com, And we will be back next week. Hopefully uh, a little richer.